With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and joining me to give their reactions to Newcastle nil, Liverpool 1 in the Premier League from that Newcastle place are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. Uh, let's start, Dave, by just acknowledging something here, which is that whatever about today's performance, we looked on in sort of awestruck wonder at what April might be when we were back in March. Mm. And we won at Watford and we won at Benfica and we drew with City and we went through versus Benfica and then we beat City and then we beat United and then we beat Everton, then we beat Villarreal and then we beat Newcastle. That is outrageous. Yeah, it is. It's an outrageous month. And... You know, there's not one of the results you could really argue with. Like, nobody could look back and say, oh, well, they got lucky here or they got lucky there. We've just been the better team. And you look especially at the last three games. Like, we beat United 4-0 and it was rampant. But we were just as dominant, I thought, today in midweek against Villarreal and against Everton. And yet we've only scored five goals across the three games. But... What's notable is just how comfortable we are. I thought today we just looked in complete control. Look, Newcastle have come into this game most second most points in the league since January 1st, but it, it does need to be remembered. These aren't a good team. This is a team that didn't win any of their first 14 games, had one win before Christmas. They found form. They've up, uplifted themselves massively, but that's not a bad bunch of players that should have been where they were. It's not a great bunch of players that should be a top half team. They're somewhere in the middle. You know, they're just one of those teams like a Southampton or a Crystal Palace or a Leeds or something like that who, you know, they shouldn't get relegated. They shouldn't really be top half. They're sort of in the rest of the mix. But they came in in great form. They came in confident. I think they'd won five in a row at home. And we've gone there. We've won the game. And even... You know, talking to Jake Jackman, Newcastle fan, just there between the the game and when we went live, and he said we were lucky that it was only one nil. He said Liverpool could have won that four nil if their finishing had been more on point, and I think that's that's exactly correct. It's a very fair reflection of the game. I think if we put away our chances, we had twenty four shots, ten on target, 
Sadio missed two great chances, one in the first half, one in the second. Mo, I thought, took one ill-advised shot when he should have laid it back for Naby. Jota missed a good chance. Diaz missed a half-decent chance. We, we really should have scored four, and I think that would have reflected the game that we watched more than more than the one nil did. I think that's exactly right, and it would possibly have stopped the incessant wittering from every media source possible about Andre Mariner playing on um, in the lead-up to the goal, because that was getting quite tedious by the end of it. And, and Jim... Why, why wouldn't he play on? Oh, why wouldn't he play on? Milner won the ball. The referee had a great view of it. Milner won the ball. Shark kicks Milner's foot. And he only went down and stayed down because he knew he'd made a mistake. He knew he'd come out for a ball he wasn't going to get. And he stayed down hoping to get a friendly whistle. But Milner won the ball clean as day. And the ball is in the net within 15 seconds. Like, there's no reason to stop that game there. Fletch says, uh, as the second half is starting, uh, the legend in his own lifetime um, that is... Fletch on BB on BT oh. Sport. He said, um, "Go download the BT app so you can look at the goal again, and you can make up your own." This is after incessant halftime wittering from the panel. You can make up your own mind about the incident where um, Dre plays on. And I'm thinking, my God, they really are stuck for any kind of a narrative here. Um, Jim, it, like it had the feel of of one of those games where you were sort of hanging on to the edge of the couch a little bit watching it um you know because it only takes uh, a, a one-off screamer from 35 yards or a half decent ball into the box and then um, a deflection or something like that for us to go one all and then when you're running out of time towards the end of a the game it, there was genuinely nerves there I, I i think we all have that hold our hands up and say that we'd like that to have been more comfortable but again there's a lot of truth in what they've saying i mean we could have won that pulling away uh to be perfectly honest you think about some of the performances this team has put in over the year over this season so far i mean we did actually win 5-0 against Manchester United pulling up you know we basically gave them the second half this team can do whatever it wants when there's a little bit of time and Jurgen was particularly effusive in his praise therefore the attitude as embodied by Andy Robbo I think 93rd minute makes a fantastic uh tackle intervention and then drives up the pitch um to try and launch a counter um he kind of, in that moment, sort of epitomised everything Jurgen wanted, uh, and you know, there's it, now it's over the line, Jim. We can, we can, we can breathe a little. It did feel unnecessarily tense because of those missed chances. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, the thing, I mean, you look how calm the squad are. Like, if you watch that back now, you know, now that you know what's happened, and you think you might wonder to yourself, why, why was I so nervy? But I think that kind of that's something that we've got built into us because we've seen it happen to us, even when we've been good but definitely when we weren't so good that we can we can throw games away because as you say as someone and as someone wants sang it only takes a second and you know shelby taking a decent free kick when he got that opportunity could have been we've seen him take decent free kicks that could have been the one that made it one all they'd have had the, the fans on the back they could have even gone and made it 2-1 type of thing but then you remember this liverpool side didn't look don't look face and he was there again i mean half the time maybe three quarters of the time he was called into action it was when the ref could have blown for off uh, the the lineman could have flagged for offside but they, they wait and wait and wait don't they but that man at the back allison again is 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 the man who's 
always available when the other stuff runs out and he's there then to make a difference. I just think, you know, five changes as well, including Milner and playing in midfield could have been could have been a worry. But the, the fact is, you've got the reinforcements on the bench. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Everybody is nervous at one nil. And it's so important. And I mean, if you're going to mention the BT commentator, if he if he said anything, I mean, I'm not sure if he's sponsored by the people who sponsor the the view of the league table or something, because the amount of times he told us that a draw was enough to put us ahead of Man City, but that a draw probably wouldn't be enough in the general run of the season. I mean, he just kept saying the same thing over and over again, unless that was I'm unlucky because I'm getting better at zoning out from him now at Mr. Fletch. <laughs> he just uh, he talks nonsense. Um, it's what he does, doesn't he? I mean, he's 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 getting worse. I think one thing that really winds me up about him is the stats that he throws in all the way through the game. He'll throw in a stat, but it's not a useful stat that kind of has any sort of bearing on the game that tells you anything about the current team or anything like that. It'd be one of these stats about you know Liverpool have never lost a game when. So, sorry, Liverpool have never lost a game when they've been one nil ahead in the 28th minute of a game that's been played in the northeast first on on a Sunday, Saturday in <laughs> April. And it's like great, okay, that's wonderful. But you know, go and do quizzes, don't do commentary. That's that's what it gets like. But I mean, bottom line is, it's April, last game of April, and now with a bit of luck, we can go gathering some cups in May because that that is, you know, not cup cups, and that is something really really to sort of take a breath out oh man it's just to be set up like this going into this month is just absolutely phenomenal and you've kind of queued us up nicely to take the next step so i'll stay with you to have a look at the liverpool lineup you mentioned the five changes that were made you mentioned the um the wincing that many of us did collectively when we saw that he had gone with uh, Jordan and Jimbo in the middle um, with Naby to uh, add some much needed vigour in there as well uh, alongside uh, the agent Jimbo. I, I, we've spoken very recently on this podcast that and said, you know, that we probably felt that Jimmy had never started a game for the Reds again and <laughs> how, how wrong we are and how 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 little or how low we rate uh, the comparative opinion uh, that 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 um, that that Kloppo obviously has for this guy because I mean it's 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 a it's a big call. So the team lines up with Joey Gomez coming in at right back. Um, Joel Matthew took his place back alongside Van Dijk and Robbo starts at left back at the three midfield that we've just spoken about and he went with Jota, Mane and Diaz choosing to rest Mo Salah. Now you talk about five changes Jim but when you talk about five changes that include the football writers player of the year um, our top scorer by country mile when you talk about um, five players including our most creative force uh, our right back uh, our sort of um, weapon of choice. And when you consider then as well that you are taking out Thiago, who has been in absolutely sensational form, you're removing quite a bit of creativity from that team and deciding to play, replace it with something else, which has its merits on its day, but it's energy, it's grit, it's that type of thing as a, as, as opposed to the, the craftiness, you know, um, that we can expect. Now, I have to say, just for context, I thought Joe Gomez stepped up to the plate really well in that regard. I thought his uh, productivity in terms of getting forward and really, really passing the ball beautifully when forward, whether it's pullbacks, centers or crosses, um, that 
at least wasn't too much of a fall off from what we can expect uh, from that position on, on a regular basis. But it was a ballsy call, Jim, to make all those moves. Oh, it was, yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I did worry a little bit to think myself, he's not... And I, and I shouldn't have worried. You do this a lot. You sort of second guess yourself, worrying. Is he doing this because he's had a little bit of a running with BT Sport and he's trying to say to them, look, you you saw us playing on Wednesday. You're now seeing us play here and we've only got half the team because we were playing on Wednesday and you've made us play this before we've even had a chance for a decent breakfast, you know. And in fact, one of the, co- the, the co-commentators today even sort of maybe going to get got in trouble with BT now because she pointed out how disruptive this time of day is for a fixture for a game of football for teams yeah but, yeah you know, the, yeah i'm thinking oh no she's gonna get her telling off but the, the 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 thing is that it's it's not what he's done he's not done it for that reason he's done it because the reason he's complained about this kickoff is because of what it does and because of what it does is why he's made the changes but we've got such a deep squad now that that you can make those five i'll be honest i mean from the front three the way with the way they all play i honestly think you could pick any of the sort of five main main men to play in that front three and you've kind of got to rotate people and give people rests and and stuff and you've got to keep people keen and make them think they can play a game i'd hate to just play the front three every week because then two players would be sort of getting disillusioned maybe and and losing the sharpness the other thing that Klopp said before the game as well was he could have made more than five changes suggesting that there were more than five players who could have done with a bit of a rest but he said that would upset the rhythm too much and it's true. He could have made, he literally could have made probably 11 changes. And individually, we probably wouldn't have complained about any of the players who he did pick if he made 11 changes. That's how good the squad is. But to make five, yeah, it is it is a big step. But mid defence, not bothered. Front line, not bothered. It was just that midfield. And I do think, you know, Henderson and, and Milner, the, the pair of them together in a game, I think either of them can come in when we need them and do a certain amount of a job for us. And that's, that's great that we've got them in, in the squad this season. I think I just think it's a bit a bit much to ask for two of them to play a game like that against the Newcastle. Who, as as Dave rightly says, they're not a brilliant team because the league position at the end of the year tells you that. But they have improved, and it's just that just having that little bit of an upper hand against them. But end of the day, we we actually got the win, and now we've got a strong squad that can go out into Spain this week and actually just finish that other job off that we started. Yeah, well, that's the, absolutely our hope in that regard. Um, Dave, I'm sure you'll want to uh, have your tuppence worth on the Liverpool lineup. Feel free to do that uh, in a second. But I'll just tee you up to talk about um, Newcastle as well, because uh, for those who didn't see it, they went with Dubravka. They had Kraft, Sharon, Byrne at centre half and Target the far side. Uh, Guimaraes, uh, Shelby, uh, Saint-Maximin, Willock. Almiron and Joe Linton, who I had never really understood before what quite what a, a, a crying, whinging uh, sort mm. of an individual Joe Linton is. Uh, on their bench, and I spoke to Jan very briefly about this, there's not a whole lot of depth there. They have Carl Darlow, they had uh, Domit, Lascelles, Richie, Manquillo, uh, Wood, Murphy, Gale, and Longstaff. And when you hear those names, you they're, you know, the kind of names that, 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 that pop to mind for, as you said earlier on, solid sort of mid-table teams and people who will be selected regularly for those type of teams. Newcastle obviously have ambitions to be far more than that and probably will try to um, blitz it over the summer. Um, a lot of those lads are going to be looking over their shoulders, let's say, uh, for sure. Um, 
I was a little bit taken aback, I have to admit, that this lot who are supposedly in full flow, you said five at home, I think it is that, and four of their last Premier League wins in a row. Um, didn't have a whole lot about them, man. I mean, if you're looking at John Joe Shelby to be your guile, I, I feel for you. Sam Maximan wasn't exactly tremendous in that um, usual role that we see him either. So there's not a whole lot there either, considering how resurgent they are. No, there's not at all. I mean, look, if they're going to become a top four team, which I think is their ambition, the only player in the match day squad today who would be a starter for a top four team is Bruno Gmerich. John Joe Shelby, he's not a surprise to anybody. He just is what he is. He's a a solid mid-table, lower mid-table Premier League midfielder. Um, Dan Byrne, Matty Target, Fabian Shard, they're all that same type of player, but in defence. Emil Kraft, the same. Dubravka, the same. It's just a lot of those type of players. You've got a front three today from them of Almiron, who's talented, but there's just something missing from his game. Maybe it's an aggression missing from his game because he's got talent. Maybe it's a focus. I don't know, but there's... It's never really worked for him at Newcastle. He has these spells for two and three games where he looks like he's putting it all together. And then he turns in a performance like today. Jolington, to give him credit, 12 months ago, people were writing him off as one of the biggest flops in Premier League history, a £40 million striker who couldn't play up front. But the reason was, he isn't actually a striker. He He's, he's the guy... Hoffenheim replaced Bobby with and that's the type of player he is he's like a, a little version of Bobby you know so imagine you get Bobby in your Marks and Spencers or wherever and then you want to get another one but you don't have as much money in your pocket so you go to Little and you try and find the next best thing that's yeah. basically what Jolington is and, and to his credit he has been really good under Eddie Howe he's, also, he's often played in midfield and there have been games where he's played in midfield and he's looked unbelievably good. And look, say maximum, there's no doubting the talent. But whenever I see people say, oh, we should sign him, I just think, Jesus, lads, like watch more than a YouTube compilation. Like, mm. He's 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 just one of those players. He's always going to be entertaining. He's never going to be productive. He's the, the type of player that, Wolf Zaha used to be like this, where he was in a bad team and he stood out because everything went through him. But when you actually looked at how much of the ball he received versus what he actually produced, it was a minimal amount. It's the same thing with St. Maximum. He'd rather beat four men by himself than beat two and play a pass. And it, he 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 wouldn't be for me. Joe Willock, I do like, I think as a as a squad midfielder, he'd have value. The only real surprise to me today was actually that Willock started. I thought they would have gone with Longstaff just to have a bit more st- uh, solidity in there. Go with three midfielders that could do a bit and, and let Gamerish play a bit more further forward behind with Shelby and Longstaff sort of in behind him, which is something they've been doing of late. But there was no real surprises in their team. Like you said, I mean, the bench, it's not going to scare you. You know, when when the attacking threats on the bench are Chris Wood, Jacob Murphy and Dwight Gale. You know they haven't got anything to really turn to other than bring Wood on and hump long balls into the box. They're a 
they're a hard-working team, but there's a lot of mediocre players there that if they want to go anywhere, they'll have to replace. You know, the only thing I can say um, in regards to today's match official, Andre Mariner, was that I'm pretty convinced that Dre organised that they would be wearing that colour so he could show off his tan. Um, I think that's probably the only thing I can say about him. Some really strange calls over the course of the game, but the big one, the one that they want you to talk about, he did get right, so he emerges with tremendous credit uh, for me, does he got, Dre. He also got the um, the call right when Milner was down on the, on the floor with what looked like a head injury by actually stopping the play and letting him get some treatment which, you know, is the right thing to do with head injuries. And I just hope Eddie Howe comes out later on to congratulate him for that. Because, of course, Eddie Howe wasn't happy when a player of theirs got an apparent head injury and was so bad he was dazed for five minutes after it earlier on in the season, yet didn't actually get substituted and Mm. played the next game. So I'm sure Eddie Howe will be straight on afterwards to praise him for his um, important intervention there. I I will say we do actually know, having Mm. seen that, we do owe Richarlison a slight apology last week because he went down from the same type of thing and we all laughed at him. And if James is going down, now Milner was up within, you know, 30 seconds. Richarlison was on the floor for a good four or five minutes, but yeah, obviously hitting the top of the head or whatever, like it did to Richarlison and Milner, it, it, it can give you a bit of a jolt. Um, just a quick prick watch today, not too in depth because Newcastle are a bit of an inoffensive team. They seem like a decent bunch of lads. John Joe Shelby uh, is probably a six on the uh, Pickford Richarlison scale, which is the official <laughs> scale for measuring pricks. Yes. And I yes. would say Jolington, largely because of the crying and the hold me back, hold me back nonsense when he thought he was been a big lad picking on Jota and the Nabi Keita come over and stood in the middle and he wanted none of the real smoke. Uh, we'd give him about a five. On, on prick watch on the uh, on the Pickford Richarlison scale. So they're the only entries this week. Um, and Bruno Gomerich with about a three out of 10 on the Gordon meter, which of course is the official meter for registering dives. Uh, Gomerich had, had one where he went down, felt a bit foolish, got himself back up, didn't complain too much. So about a, a three out of a 10 for Bruno on, on the Gordon scale, the Gordon meter. Um, and that's prick watch for this week. You've been you've been very generous there. You're obviously you're obviously feeling the the joy of the of the of the victory. Uh, I I would lean a bit harder into the the, the grades, but they are absolutely entirely yours to give. Well, remember we're, we're grading against Pickford and Richarlison prick Yes. So, so yes, that's yes, a very yes. high bar to set. It is. It is. And John Joe is probably normally about an eight, but he did play for the Reds. He had a couple of good moments for the Reds. So you know there has to be a little bit of a little bit of uh, favour shown towards John Joe. Indulgence, I like it. Yes, you're right. Let's get started with the with the uh, events of the game, and we'll go right up to the uh, big one, which is the big moment of the game, the goal. And Jim, you and I'll take a look at this. They had a little bit of an early flurry in terms of um, a little bit of possession and, and intent. Craft uh, had a run at us. Shelby tried a sort of a half volley into the ground, went over the top on about two minutes. Um, Joe Gomez did some excellent 1v1 defending on three minutes, and I thought that's a good sign. Um, he does look very smooth uh, and very sort of 
calm in his demeanor. It's great to see. I thought Shar should have got a yellow on three when Jota was breaking, but uh, no such thing from Dre. Four minutes in from the free kick that was just one there. The ball did break to Jota, uh, who tried a really difficult kind of chest and volley situation. And it was it was well off target. Seven minutes in, we broke down the right-hand side. Naby tried one from outside the box. It goes narrowly wide and should have been a corner. Um, you know, uh, clear deflection off the Newcastle defender. Nine minutes in, Virgil tries a volley from a, a corner and over the top, but you know, <laughs> he, he he certainly connected with it. So, um, it's nice to see the big man up there trying stuff like that. Um, and then on 15, um, pretty dangerous, uh, Joe Gomez ball taken off. Sadio Mane's toe by Kraft, but Sadio was offside anyway. And then we come to the goal. That's on 18 minutes. And this is, a, there's lots to talk about here. Um, the decision that we were talking about earlier on by, by, um, by the referee was that Milner put in a fantastic tackle against Shar, plays the ball and then gets a bit of him. But as Dave said earlier on, it goes the other way too. The ball breaks to Henderson. Henderson plays in Naby on the left-hand side. He plays a great one too with Jota. It's a lovely little um, weighted pass return to him by Jota. Um, he takes the ball. He kind of dribbles across the face of the goalkeeper before finishing very coolly with his left foot in a way that, you know, we've seen Mo do this. We've seen Sadio do this. It's It takes a kind of a certain amount of sang-froid to do that in front of the goal. And it was lovely to see Naby, uh, who was really purring in this first half. Um, talk to me about that chunk of the game. If there's anything uh, that you want to go back into or anything you want to pick up on, and then you're taking the goal itself. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think without dwelling on the ref, because, they, they love the attention we've given them far too much already i think i think if you're going to look at his issues today were all the sort of small things like the, the two officials between them didn't see that that went out for a corner um in the in the movie mentioned and they did that more than once it was the sort of sort of inequalities over who gets booked for what there was just that kind of thing it was that kind of game and it's more sort of a thing for you know back at ref hq you need to be pulling him in and having a word with him about this rather than we need to get the game replayed level badness he's not you know obviously you wouldn't want the game replayed when you've won but if it had gone the other way it wouldn't have been enough to complain about but this is this is the problem with refs you know thankfully as we were talking about on twitter the other day a couple of them are retiring and no doubt will bring some wonderful people in to replace them and and sooner or later this ref watch thing will be a thing of the past that we that we laugh about (laughs) with nostalgia yeah Yes, of course. Um, I think from a Liverpool point of view, yeah, we we kind of we knew that they were going to be. Well, I would have expected them to come out full of beans. Basically, they've got the ground full, the place is sort of buzzing. It's like they've got the the checkered flags, which doesn't mean it's game over. It means that they support Newcastle. Um, it's it's all going, isn't it? It's all it's all up. They're up. They're totally up for it, and you kind of got to expect a little bit of that as the game kicks off but pretty soon I think we just started to take control and we were knocking on that door and knocking on that door and knocking on that door um as you just mentioned those chances and when the fan when the chance came that we took um it wasn't a foul and I think if anyone watches replays of that you're gonna have to find an angle that doesn't exist I think to to come up with it being anything other than you know play on it, it I just genuinely don't know why anyone's complaining the ref to give him some credit, was in a really good place. He was kind of almost stood over it, looking straight down on it. He couldn't really have missed it. Even he couldn't have missed that. So that was not something that we should even be mentioning, but we know we will, because we know it'll keep getting brought up. 
from that point on though we carried on we played on and we played on and we played on and i just think what i love most about nabby was and as you say other players that we've got like like mo will do this at the point where you're thinking right this is the bit where you shoot and this is the bit where the goalkeeper saves it because you shot and the goalkeeper was bound to get it he doesn't he does something else and then he shoots you know and it's that doing something else and as you say having the temperament having the skill having the the calmness, having the self-belief, the confidence to actually just do that little bit that then gets you the chance to actually put it away is what's making this Liverpool team so special because we've got that kind of confidence, that kind of thinking on your feet, that kind of um, quick thinking and everything and the skill. We've got that throughout the squad. We've got that all the way through. Even with Alisson, who quite often commentators will say, oh, he's had a bit of a nervy moment. No, he didn't. He did something with the ball that was quite clever and made sure we kept possession. Oh, and by the way, if you noticed, all their defenders and all their attackers are all a little bit further up the pitch now because we've got a bit excited because they, yeah. they thought they had a chance and off we go and we, and we launch an attack. And so, you know, throughout the pitch, we've got that. And that's what Naby showed today. And that is something I'm, I'm, I'm loving. I'm loving seeing. And that goal, yeah, as it was, it was the only one. Well, that was all we needed. You only need to score one more than the others. And we did that. And with our clean sheet record, you know, it was always going to win us, wasn't it? It was. And, you know, um, again, narratives are a very funny thing. And uh, you'll hear lots of reports from different uh, areas if you open your ears, uh, listeners, to the various sources. And they'll talk to you about plucky Newcastle. And um, they'll mention things like the uh, thing we've already done to death. And they'll talk about how they carry the threat to the end and plucky Eddie Howe, etc., etc. But There were 24 shots for the Reds with 10 on target as opposed to four for them and two on target. Um, We had 66% of the ball um, and we had 83% pass completion. Um, It's not quite the level of dominance that we've had in the previous two games, but then we made five changes. Um, So this is the true story of the game um, and anything other than a Reds win would have been absolute daylight robbery. We just have to acknowledge that as well because we'll always do it if it's the other way around. Dave, just to get back into the rest of this half, because I kind of feel like doing that because there's a lot of stuff and yet there's not a lot of stuff. In many ways, the rest of the half, um, the two lads um, who would have had your eyebrows gone off, your forehead, no doubt, um, were quite central in a lot of stuff. Um, Let me just go through these incidents and you can pick out whatever it is you want to talk about. So after the goal, nothing really much happens for a while. 25 minutes, there is an opportunity where Diaz gets on the end of a nabby pass. Uh, he gets a body check, he stays on his feet, he cuts it back, but there's nobody there. Uh, 27 minutes in, St. Maximan runs at us uh, centrally. I think he did that twice in the game, dragged the low shot wide. Now, Jimmy Miller steps up and does Jimmy Miller things on 28 minutes, takes out Guimara. It should be a yellow, if we're being perfectly honest. And the camera pans to him, and poor Al Miller is absolutely puce in the face at this stage. He is blown hard. Uh, Naby and Sadio do some lovely bits in the middle, great technique, lovely poise between the two of them. Um, it's great that two lads who are clearly pals can link up in that way in the, in, on the pitch as well. It's just added bonus. 33 minutes in, there's a great break by Diaz. He plays Sadio in and Sadio's shot is poor and straight at the keeper. It's a good opportunity. Henderson now, it's his turn to, t- to step up in 37 minutes. He takes a free kick, but it goes well wide of the top corner. Um, 
they actually have the ball in the net um, on 38 minutes, but of course it's the usual bullshit where there was not one but two of them offside, but they let it play on. Ali does his level best to stop it uh, and, and does his bit. Robbo then tries to do his bit just to tell him to fuck off, and we do it actually later on as well. Uh, so obviously that's ruled out. 40 minutes, there's a fantastic header from distance by Jota. Beautiful. I mean, textbook. One of those ones where you see uh, the freeze frame of it with the neck muscles and the perfect turn and the per- perfect poise. Um, it was a Henderson uh, a, a trademark uh, a ball in and fantastic header by Jota. Um, but uh, it wasn't to be. 41 minutes, um, Milner has an opportunity. He's on the edge of the box. It breaks to him. He chests it. He volleys it. It's well hit, but it's wide of the left post. Uh, a couple of yellows for Joe Linton and Jota. And then at the end, the Milner story is complete because he is the ball in time and space on the left-hand side of the box. He's approaching in from that kind of uh, Sadio Mane area. There's reds all around him, and he dinks a ball right into the one area where there was literally nobody. <laughs> so... The half then ended with Almiron uh, getting whatever you said it was, a three on the Gordonometer uh, for uh, a simulated dive. That's my take on the the, the incidents of the half, um, but you'll have one or two of them, no doubt you want to pick out specifically. Yeah, I just think after we scored the goal, um, we we start to really open them up a couple of times and we started to look a lot more confident. The goal itself is obviously brilliant. You guys have covered it. Naby's just, he's so good when he has the ball in tight spaces like that. But, you know, the chances that we started to, to get from there on, it was, you know, those games, and we, we've had them for years, where we get a bunch of chances, we don't take them, and then all of a sudden you start to think, oh, God, this is going to be one of those days. Like, they're going to bring on Chris Wood on 75 and score. Yeah, exactly that. Because that's just what's going to happen. Like, when when Milner has that half volley where he chests it down, the the Mane chance, the Jota header, which, by the way, Martin Dubravka, I mean, I, I get that there's men there taking pictures, but you don't need to make every save look like it's the biggest save you've ever made in your life. That's a simple up and tap it over the bar type of save. There's no need for the big flamboyant dive. Allison catches that. Um, no, we, look, we were we were controlling the game. Like you said, they were they were continually offside. What did you say? They had 60-something percent. They had 34% of the ball. Yeah. And yet they were caught offside nine times today. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. They barely had nine attacks in the whole game. But just goes to show how good that line is. When Virgil is there marshalling that defence, it's just different class. I thought Matip was getting under the skin of Almiron, of um, of St. Maximum as well. There was that one incident where it might have been in the second half, the ball stood over the top, but it started in the first half where every time St. Maximum got the ball, Alice, uh, Matip was right up on him and he was kind of putting a hand to one side, not necessarily on him. And... So Maxim was getting very uncomfortable with the whole thing. He's not the type of player that plays well with his back to goal. And I thought Matip did really well with sort of running him off the ball. Um, Gomez in that first half, I thought, when when we think of Trent, we think of everything he brings to the team. When we think of Joe Gomez, we largely think of him as a central defender who does a job for us at right back. But you forget that Joe has an outstanding 
level of technical ability. And his first touch is outstanding. I, I'd love to know if Joe was a midfielder when he was younger, because he just seems to have a really high technical level. Yeah. He's comfortable in tight spaces. It needs to be said, he's far too good to not be starting. Not necessarily for us, but he should be starting games week in, week out somewhere. I don't know that other than us in the city, there's a team in England that he doesn't start for. And if you go around Europe, I'm not sure there's a team he doesn't start for. I think he starts for Real. I think he starts for Bayern. I think he starts for Barca and all the rest of them. Other than Austin City. And even at that, I think I might take him over what we're seeing from America Laporte right now. He's an outstanding centre-back. He'd be the best third centre-back in the world, let alone the best fourth centre-back in the world. And today, I thought him and Naby, especially on that right side, were absolutely outstanding because most of their threat came down that side and they just snuffed it out time and time and time again. And we're just very, very fortunate to have a player like him. And you'd hope that we can keep hold of him, but in the summer it may be that he wants to go somewhere else and play more regularly. But I thought today he gave a good reminder of what he's capable of. And in that first half, a lot of our best football was coming through Joe Gomez, which was, was nice to see. I'm I, I, exactly I, I I felt exactly the same way as I watched him I, I just thought he was really sort of purring and uh, so smooth in his actions and his moves um, technique is fantastic I loved his contributions going forward and that was the bonus um, apparently there are lads who think he can't cross a ball which I've never really understood but the pullbacks and passes in defeat when he was in advanced positions were outstanding that was great to watch um, from Joe today and, and Jim if we start the second half together you and I it is Joe Gomez who does brilliantly uh, with a run and a cross uh, and Diaz of all people um miscontrols it and actually it happened a few times in this game and he's so it's so atypical because he almost never uh, does anything wrong technically um it was a good opportunity uh, his miscontrol sort of um ruined the chance that Joe had created they had a little bit of a flurry i think it was a bit of a cross maybe uh, say maxima run um but nabi keita with a bit of composure uh puts paid to that and kind of uh, takes the sting out of it. i think he draws a foul as well 49 minutes there is a break by us which ends with a diaz shot deflected um there's a yellow card uh for joe gomez dragging back willock on 50. um the next little thing of note then was um, the Milner incident where he takes the free kick um, on the head. And it's I think it's probably Jim because he's stooping down. Um, it's probably as much a sort of a, a rattler as anything else. It gets, catches him, as Dave said earlier on, the crown of the head. Um, but, you know, what, what got me about it was by the time Andre Marner whistled, we were playing out from the back. But the dopes in the Newcastle crowd chose to ignore that and just um, be annoyed that the game was stopped um, 
for reasons, even though we were in possession of the ball and ready to play away. Um, Sadio was fouled as they launched a bit of an attack. Um, Robert, uh, Robbo sort of sees Guimaraes out um, to put pay to that. And then on 58 minutes, Miller with a ball over the top into Jota. It's a nice pass. Um, the keeper's coming out. Um, then as, as, as the ball breaks, Robbo advances, hits the ball straight at him with the keeper stranded. It was a, another rare bad shot by Robbo today and we'll finish me and you about halfway through this half on 62 minutes and 63 minutes where there's a couple of little um, episodes it was a great one too with Sadio and Joe Gomez absolutely fantastic the fullback did brilliantly with the cutback Sadio fired narrowly wide of the base of the post he should score again that's the second time and then on 63 minutes another Sadio effort was blocked and as Diaz is leaning back into the defender he tries to loop it over his head um, and beat the keeper that way but uh, Dubravka was able to catch it and they bring on on 66 Wood for Willock and we're set up for that kind of nervy ending then with the uh, target man on the pitch talk to me about the first half of the first half Jim if there's anything that you wanted to note particularly or any player you want to sort of uh, highlight specifically yeah I mean I think I think by this point now the point we're talking to we still had the same 11 on the pitch that had started and I think it's one of those games where if you're at if you're at the ground you, you're anxiously looking over at the bench to see if there's any activity because you think I don't know what it is I mean maybe everyone's thinking differently in every game we all think differently but I'm starting to think now look come on um it's time to bring trying to bring the other lads on now trying to time to strengthen this a bit now I've got you know certainly on the 60th I was really expecting to see something to change in midfield, for example. And it just felt like, you know, the longer we went without the change, the more worried I got. Now, I'll be honest with you, if I watch the game back later, I'd probably think, why were you that worried? As we all do. But it is, it's just that that sort of sense that, that you know, they're sort of finding little bits here and there. And although we're getting those chances, it's still that, that fear that, you know, as we're admiring our times of coming close, they just sneak past and get one in you know, by some bit of fluke or bit of good play, whatever it takes. And I just felt like in, in this period of time now, we just need to kind of just just change things a little, send a message to them, if anything, that any kind of confidence they're starting to build. And you can imagine it, and there's confidence in the home crowd, the way that they're crying over decisions and stuff like that. Um, the way the way to sort of deal with that in many ways is to just say, well, here comes Mo Salah, you know, here comes Thiago, here comes Fabinho. You know, one of those three straight away at that point would have, I think, just changed things a little. But what do I know? Obviously, I'm not the man who's just signed a new contract because of how good I am as a coach. And I think that that that's why Klopp and his team know what to do and when to do it. It's, I don't know, it's just one of those things that I think in a game like this, one goal isn't enough. It never is. In fact, Milner actually said that after the game. He said, one goal is never enough, apart from when you win one. Nearly almost said today, he kind of tricked himself up a little bit. But it isn't. And I just think you could see, you know, Milner, I think, was starting to tire by this point. And when you're tired, you start to make mistakes. You know, so even if even if Millie was our best ever midfielder, the age he's at now and the lack of games he's had recently, I think, you know, you're asking a lot for him to play as much as he did. But it doesn't matter. I think that the, the key thing is that by this point we had held on. And it sort of grew it sort of took my attention, went to the fact that I actually think Newcastle even when we were ahead, we were very, very focused on defence. I think they were just hoping for counter-attacks. They weren't really trying to to rip us apart. And so my worries about us conceding were more about when one of our attacks breaks down, will they get a break that, that works out for them? And as I said at the start of the show, I shouldn't have been worried because we never looked like we were panicked. We never looked worried. 
the fans might have been sat at home or sat up in that high stand, but the team were never worried. And that that that's what got us through to this point we're, we're talking about now. You know, uh, it's funny you mention that. Um, just to sort of lean into a point you're making about not worrying and something Dave raised earlier on. I found myself staring in admiration several times during the course of the game, just watching Virgil doing that sort of that, that sort of um, flappy forearm thing that he does, where he's just basically telling lads exactly where to go and where to be. Uh, and it really is a marshalling of that back line, and it's such a weapon. It's the, it's the natural leadership he's got. I mean, Milner's a leader, and that's why he wears the armband sometimes. You can see why. Henderson's always had the armband. I don't know how long he's had it now, but I think it's been a while, hasn't it? I think since Stevie left. So, it, 2015. Yeah. But then when the armband changed places for the third time today, it went to the man who I think you would assume was a captain if nobody wore armbands, you know, to Virgil, as you say. Absolutely, yeah. It's just it's just lovely to watch. It's like everywhere, all over the pitch, there are these things you can see. Like I said earlier on, there was a, a little moment between Naby and 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 Sadio, just outrageous bit of technique in the middle of the park when they're surrounded by bodies and you just the way we play out from the fence. There's so many little areas that you can get joy from watching this crew at the moment. Um and you know, uh, Jim talked there, Dave, about Milner uh, starting to flag a bit in terms of energy. That's you know, sixty mid sixties and minutes he, he stays on until 77 because there are changes made before that there was actually a, a really decent move a, a Miller diagonal ball to Nabi Keita and um, his sort of lovely touch pass um, sets Joe Gomez in and he drives the ball across that leads to a corner from that Virgil actually has a header Sadio just can't get there before the keeper he picks up a yellow because he leaves a bit on him by accident afterwards on his thigh um, we then bring on uh, on 69 minutes, Mo and Fabinho for Sadio and uh, Hendo. That then leads almost immediately. Um, there's a, there's a sort of a, a, a move forward by us. Great move actually. Diaz cuts in, shot with power. Um, almost the ball almost deflects into Mo's path, but the keeper gets there ahead of him. Uh, and then another minute, Mo's involved. He heads over from a Robertson pass on 70 minutes. Now to be fair, it's one of those crosses that's behind him. He's, he's no real chance. He just gets his head to it. Um, there was a chance then again straight away afterwards. A great break down the left by Diaz. Uh, his cross was killed effortlessly by Mo Salah's um, touch. And then he tries to paint the Mo curler, but it's um, just not exactly executed properly and Dubravka is able, able to hold on to it. Um, 72 minutes, Jota got in. Uh, he hits the keeper with a half volley. Very powerful. Um, but he went with power as opposed to trying to dribble it in or or, 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 or finesse the finish. Um, and then the angle was narrow, so... I think that was always going to happen. Um, now, there was a fantastic save by Allison in a one-on-one with Wood, even though it was offside. And again, we've said it so many times in the show, these things are important. Allison's not having it, uh, and I love that. And then the change comes. We bring on Thiago from Milner. Now, there's not a whole lot left in the rest of the game, for being perfectly honest. There's a Jota uh, drive at them uh, that leads to a corner. Uh, there's a great move on 84 where Diaz uh, gets in, uh, does craft 
um, but he finds the side netting. I think there might be deflection there, but it's not it's not seen by the ref. And um, they bring on Murphy for Craft. Guy Marais has a shot in 86 minutes, which I don't know about you, Dave, but it had me nervous. Mm. Um, it was a good dig, um, very well saved by Ali, who got across and got his full body behind it down low. Um, big clearance by Joe Gomez on 88 minutes when they were trying to pump a ball or two into the box. And on 89, Mo was in on goal via a lovely Diaz crossfield ball, um, but it just kind of got away from him in the end. There were four minutes added, um, and then the only thing of note really in that was that there was a fantastic, um, that fantastic Robbo challenge. Now, I say fantastic, he, he goes to ground, he slides in, he gets the ball, it would have been a penalty if he doesn't execute it properly. Then he's up, like he often is, so many times he kind of kicked the ball around the lad and ran around him today. That's the kind of form and, and, and moment that Andy Robbo's in at the moment. Uh, he drove on and got uh, cleaned out of it. And we end, end up with a, a, a free kick right in the last minute. Uh, and for some reason, Fabinho tries to go at it. He, he's trying to Ronaldo, the, the dipper, um, but it's over the top and it uh, doesn't, doesn't end up successfully. Now, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm cramming all these incidents in because it feels like that's the thing to do in this one because they're not like big, big stories. But even just listening to myself there, I'm, I'm describing a team that's incredibly dominant. And to go full circle back to what you said at the start of the show, like I mean, really and truly, there should be more goals on the table to show for it. And I won't necessarily be too critical of our lot. I think it was just one of those days. Yeah, I mean, it is just one of those days. Like, you know, Sadio missed a decent chance in the first half after good work by Diaz. Um, he missed a really good chance in the second half. I thought the the Salah one that he sort of tried to curl, he really should have just laid back for Naby to hit. Yeah. The the Jota one that you mentioned, if he just looks, all he needs to do is roll the ball to his left and Diaz has a tap in. You know, there was a little bit of a selfish streak came in and that's understandable. These are these are guys that are paid money to score goals. So, you know, you can understand them backing themselves, especially with the seasons that they're having. Um, Newcastle were just so strange in that, that last period though, because you bring on Chris Wood, he can't do anything else other than win the ball in the air. And yet you seem scared to pump the crosses in. Now, admittedly, we do have Virgil and we do have Joel Matip, but there was one moment where, they had the ball on our right, their left, opportunity to cross, didn't take it, played it centrally, moved it out to the right, Shelby had an opportunity to cross, didn't take it, cut back, and then just sort of floated the ball in with his left foot. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, do you not have any real ambition to try and get something out of this game? Well, I think they were just, they were just overrun and overpowered by a better team on the day. I thought Robbo from left back was outstanding today. Absolutely, must have had a Quetabix soaked in in iron brew or something this morning because <laughs> he just never stopped. He never ever stopped running. There was one incident you didn't mention. Robbo got the ball in their penalty area, and I thought he got pulled back and he went to ground. Now he got up straight away, but he seemed to get pulled back a little bit. I thought that as well, but literally nobody made no anything replay. of it, including him. But including him, to be fair, he did get up, but there was no replay of it. No. Instead, they showed a replay of, of an offside, which was just strange. But, yeah, I mean, look, we, we were in control. We were dominant from 
from early doors right the way through. And when the likes of Fabinho and Thiago start to come on, the control, the level of control just goes up even further. And we, we just shut them down. I will correct you on one thing. Fabinho didn't try to do a Ronaldo. He did a Ronaldo by sailing that free kick over the bar. <laughs> yes, um, but, yeah. You know, it was a better effort than Henderson's free kick in the first half, which he spent <laughs> an awful long time preening over and then nearly knocked someone unconscious in the stand about 10 yards from, from the goalpost. But, <laughs> whose whose free kick was it that Trent was, looked like he was laughing at? Henderson's. Was it, was it that was Henderson's in the first half. Because Henderson, like, he, he stands over for every free kick. It's him, it's Robbo, it's Mo, and it's it's Trent. And he stands there and stands there. And every so often they let him do the little fake run over it. But like yeah. you know he's not hitting it. But here he was, it was his opportunity. Stand back, Andy Robertson. I have this, even though it it's better suited to a left footer, I'm gonna take this. And uh, he just makes a haze of it. And it was, it reminded me when the camera panned to the bench and Trent was laughing. It reminded me of years back, Klopp was only at the club a short period of time. I think we were playing Everton at home in like a midweek game and we were hammering them. And there was a lovely bit of play, a bit of keepy uppy down the left flank. The ball came across into the middle of the field and Lucas picked it up about 25 yards from goal. And the whole stadium shouted, shoot, <laughs> and he dribbled the ball at the keeper. And Klopp, the camera turned to Klopp, and he was cracking himself in half. Oh, half. it's so good. That was That's so funny. Mind. But look, yeah. when, 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 when he's taking a free kick that bad and the, the reaction is laughter, you know that these lads are just really confident and really comfortable, and they know they're going to be good enough to go and win this game regardless. It's, it's, not, it, it's a missed opportunity, but it's not something that's going to cost us. That's 40 points from the last 42 available in the Premier League for Liverpool. And you went through the results for April, Trev. We have been absolutely phenomenal in recent months. I mean, the only game we've lost was a game we could afford to lose in the Inter Milan second leg where we had the comfortable win from the first first leg. But, you know, we drew with Chelsea on January 2nd. And since then, we have won every league game that we've played and that is 13 wins and a draw from since that Chelsea game and that, that Chelsea game if you remember we were obviously 2-0 up they come back tied at 2-2 and a lot of people came away after that game thinking that's the league gone City were I think 12 points clear we did have a couple of games in hand but you're like we're never going to catch them not the way we're playing because we'd drawn with Tottenham We'd lost to a really, really bad Leicester team. And then we drew with Chelsea and we thought, that's it, title over. So to have been able to drag ourselves back into the mix the way we have, frankly, we, we're now in a position where we, we need City to drop something. Um, and if they don't, then you know, fair play to them. If they can go the rest of the season without dropping a point, then they deserve the title. But for us to even be in this position where we're talking about the possibility of a quadruple as we head into May, when nothing of the sort looked possible in January, at the start of January, and you're thinking to yourself, well, look, if we win the League Cup and we win the Champions League and we can have a good old go at the FA Cup, that's still a great season. Like That would be a great season. But here we are heading into, into May with the possibility of winning everything. 
yeah. a real possibility. We're currently top of the league. City have to respond. They've got so, leads later on, but they have to win. If they don't win, they're handing the title to us, and it will then be in our grasp. So the only two points that we dropped out of 42 available were the two against City. Two away to City, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and if you and, look before, I think if you look before that as well, the, the bad spell we had, and I say bad as in we, we had a couple of draws and a defeat, I think was in December. And so if anything anything has beaten us in the league this season, in a way it's COVID because we had... You yeah, know, all the issues with players missing and players, yeah. not, you know, players not well, and you know the, the the upheaval that that causes to you basically, you know, it's not normal business, is it? It's not normal injuries, and you know, it interferes with training and everything, and and you know, that's something to think of that, you know, I'm not blaming yeah. that, but that's that's how good we've been, you know. That's the thing. You look at you look at our season. We've drawn twice with Chelsea. That's not a bad result. Drawing with Chelsea, who this was before they sort of had this recent fall off. They were still in the mix at the time. They're not bad results. Drawing twice with City, not bad results. Drawing away to Spurs, not a bad result. Like they are a good team. They've got Kane. They've got Son. They've got a great manager. The the disappointing results. Yeah, with that's the thing. That's exactly the thing with ten men. The referee on that day was a disgrace. But when you look at you know. Losing away to Leicester, that's a that's a really bad result. We had a close to full strength team. They had nobody and it was a mess. But the, the ones that kind of disappoint are, you know, Brentford away is a game we should have won. And the Brighton at home game where we're 2-0 up and then managed to, to throw it away. Those are disappointing. Losing away to, to West Ham is disappointing. I don't know if it's a bad result because they're a pretty good team. But, yeah, but, but Dave, Brentford, remember, Brighton, you, and Leicester. But that's this is the thing, Trev. That my last point on this. We're in a we're in a league right now because of us and City, not just them. The, the two of us have raised the standard in this league. Yeah. Well, you can't afford one defeat and two draws that that are outside of you know the the elite in the league. You you drop those points and it can be curtains for you. That's exactly it. That's where I was going to drive the bus as well because it it, it is. There was a time when you could win a league um, throwing points away left, right, and centre. They, um, they used to say you can't, you can afford to lose six games. It used to be literally six, six right, games you can lose in a season. Yeah, you know, yeah, early, early yeah. days of the Premier League at least. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and it, it's just a completely different paradigm. A paradigm, as Dave says, ushered in by the brilliance of um, two particular teams, and we're one of them. And that's uh, well, put it this way: we've already won like I think six games more this season than Manchester United won the year they won the treble. We've won six games more across all competitions than they had the year they won the treble. And that in itself is, it shows how drastically different the, um, the Premier League is now. As Jim said, like you could afford to lose six. You could also afford to, to draw Mm -hmm. 10 games. I mean, Arsenal went unbeaten in the league in 03, 04, and they drew 10 league games, you know, or was it nine league games? 12 league games, excuse me, 12 league games. Like, you just, you wouldn't really get away with that now. You you, no. you really wouldn't get away with that now. United, the year they won the treble, had 79 points at the end of the season. 13 draws, three defeats. We've got 82 we have, now. Mm-hmm. We have 82 and we've got four games left. City have 80 with five games left. That's the standard now. Like so, when when the likes of you know Roy Keane or whoever or comes out and says, you know Liverpool might only win one league title, like 
this isn't the same game you played, pal. This is a very different league. You didn't have a city. You didn't have anything like them. Yet Chelsea came along at a certain point, but mm. you still could match their spending. You, you could overspend above Arsenal and all the rest. We can't spend a fraction of what City do, what Chelsea do, what United do, and yet we still set the standard in this league along with City. So that just shows what a job Klopp is doing and has done. Yeah, and it's the same story in Europe. I mean, the, yeah. the, the two teams are, are, are like patently head and shoulders when they're playing their stuff. Um, head and shoulders above everybody else in Europe, uh, which is a remarkable stage to be at as well. Jim, let's you and I then finish up um, um, getting your last thoughts and any plugs that you have as well. I mean, um, looking back over, is there anything you want to recap on or any sort of takeaway thoughts that you have to finish up with? I think um, there's just so much to say, isn't there? Because it's like it's a one nil, and you can end up thinking, well, there's not a lot to say about a one nil. But in sometimes, sometimes it's these games that give you lots to think about. I think. There's that defence again. We we are so solid at the back, and although Ellison didn't have a lot to do, especially when the flag wasn't belatedly involved, when he was needed, he did what he does, and and that you know he's he's paid for himself so many times over now. We we kind of owe him. He, he's that good, and th- this is this is again this is sort of ta- you know part of what I'm going to come to in a minute is is how good Liverpool are. It's not just about the manager and the players, it's how good the club has become. Um, I mean, stats-wise, I thought, I thought one interesting one today that you may have mentioned was, I mean, they had 276 passes, we had 518, which is almost double, you know, and the possession was was three, was, was six to three, you know, 66-33. It, it's just, it's just this, this sort of, this, this immense brilliance that we're seeing now. There's not enough words to use for it because I think, Words that we would use to describe Liverpool now, we've used in the past and we wasted them using them then because we didn't realise how good we could be. And I think I think an important point to all this is that this comes a couple of days after Klopp's announced his, his new contract. And there's been times in the past, and you get it with all clubs, new contracts, almost everyone takes the foot off the brake a bit because it's like, oh, I've got the new deal now. And, you know, almost subconsciously takes the foot off the accelerator and, and just loses. We didn't, we won. Um and the reason that he's staying in, in part is because of how well run the club is, how well loved he is by the fans, how everything is just right for him. The recruitment works, the people around him are right, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch. We we are just getting the right people into just about every role. And it's not about, it's not about money all the time as well. It's about attitude and personality and we're finding the right players. Um and that leads me nicely onto a little plug. As I said to Gags, where we did a we did a sort of reaction to Klopp's new contract show, which you can hear on Anfield Index. It's worth a listen. We did it while it was all still fresh and we were all still excited, which we still are. We were very excited then. It's and, great fun. You know, <laughs> and one one of the things I said then is that, you know, it's it, it's about not bringing in the best player in the world. Some players just won't work here. They might be the best player in the world, but they wouldn't last five minutes. You know, they wouldn't be able to take Trent laughing at the free kicks, for example. They wouldn't, or they'd be laughing at the wrong time. You know, they'd be they'd be too arrogant, too too bossy. They'd want money more than they want success. They'd want all the wrong things. They just would not fit. And that's what I love about this squad now. They all fit. They all work. There's no sort of Mario Balotelli's who nobody gets on with. There's none of that kind of, you know, that that kind of click forming or anything like that they're all mates they all get on with each other even though they've all got different interests i'm sure james milner and nabby Kater don't kind of you know all sort of listen to music together you know but it's it's just 
even though there's the age gap and stuff like that, the young players are fitting in. They've been coached well um, and taught well by the older players. And it's just what's important and what's good with Klopp's staying is that it's about sustaining that and keeping it going. Whatever happens this season, it's been a hell of a season. If it does end with one trophy, it's still been a hell of a season. And that's something to remember because we need to build on that next season. Whether we win everything or not, we cannot relax. We cannot say that wasn't good enough. We've got to say, yeah, it was good enough, but it counts for nothing next season. And I just think we've got we've got everything in place to do that. Everything in place to just make the right signings we need to this summer. Let the right players go. Let the right players move on, and hopefully spend the right money. Not not get ripped off. Not not spend short when you could have done with spending. And hopefully when next season kicks off, we've with four trophies in the bag hopefully when next season kicks off we'll we'll be carrying it on and this train will keep running yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm punching the air and ripping my shirt off here james great <laughs> stuff <laughs> you, you got me you've got me convinced and you know what as well i have to say uh this is going to play uh on my mind in a great entertaining way for the rest of the evening i'm kind of wondering what jimmy miller listens to and half of me <laughs> thinks he's he's a leonard skinnerd man and then half of me thinks maybe he's more of a james taylor man i'm really looking well, I'd forward say to it's a bit of both i'd say yeah. it's a bit of both depending on the circumstances <laughs> i'd imagine there's a bit of neil Donald diamond in the rotation i'd say he breaks out some bruce springsteen bangers to get himself up up for game um skinner probably when he's in the car bit of leonard skinner when he's in the car just you know wants to get in his own little space and, and not have anybody else but he likes a bit of allman brothers as well i'd say what that's the he, type of stuff jimmy what Martin. would his walk-on music be if he was uh he was coming on stage to do what you know when he's retired He's coming on stage. What will his walk on music be? You know, let's let's leave that one. <laughs> I'll get a take from everyone before we finish the show. Uh, and Dave, uh, in the words of uh, of of Jurgen Klopp, um, this is going to. I can just imagine now the, the the eyes rolling in the back of your head. This is going to be quite, as Jurgen would call it, a brain fuck for you. Uh, <laughs> If you haven't seen the brain fuck video, for the love of God, get yourself on Twitter and and look that up because it's hilarious. Um, He said today uh, on Jimmy Miller, nothing that we have achieved in the last few years would have happened without James Miller. He set standards that educated all of us. Um, That's nice. I do like that, I have to say. Uh, Let's get your wrap up thoughts, um, Dave, and let the folks know what's going on in Hendrick land as well. Yeah, no, look, it, it. it is nice of Klopp to say, and, you know, Milner has played an important role off the pitch in terms of being a role model and whatever else. But, you know, he was good today. Let's not pretend that he's been at this level all season. Today was probably the best performance Milner's turned in all year. And it was it was exactly what was needed at exactly the right time. And that's what's important is that he turned up, he was asked to do a job, he did a job. He gave us a 7 out of 10 performance when what we needed was a 7 out of 10 performance. Uh, him and Brian both had good games today. There's just, you know, that's just what it was. They were they were both good today. Uh, that BT gave Milner the man of the matches. Farcical, considering Naby Keita and Joe Gomez and Andy Robertson and Diaz were all better, but it is what it is. Um, last thoughts today, uh, Jim Beglin... You guys can be able to tell me, was there not a time when Jim Beglin was a decent co-commentator? Did he not used to I be think quite he, good? I think he was. I think he was. God, he's That's, fucking obnoxiously bad now. Jesus. I've not heard him great, but he was always good. And he's, 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 he was always good when I listened to him. He, he tried to make out that the big 
the big reason Jota and Jolington had their argy bargy was because they spoke the same language. That's just what he said. Wow. That's it good. made no sense at all. Um, but you know, he's he's Jim Begley. He 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 overhyped Eddie Howe to uh, to a great degree, which was nice. I, I did like when Milner was down, the camera went to Howe and Klopp on the sideline and they seemed to be having a bit of a laugh about something. And Howe said something. Klopp tapped the top of his head and then just walked away and just left left Howe standing there like, oh, so the conversation's <laughs> over then. <laughs> which was fun. But look, all of our lads played good performances today. There was other I, I thought Sadio was the only one you could say had a bit of an off game. But he was out playing on the left again, whereas he's been doing so well through the middle. Um, that that was sort of understandable. Shouldn't we, have been booked. Shouldn't have been booked. No, I didn't think so either. Like I get that he makes contact with the man, but it, that's clearly just a momentum thing. It doesn't. He doesn't catch him with any sort of force or anything. He's going for the ball. Dubravka gets to the ball first, and it's just what happens when two players go for the same thing. There's nowhere for Mane to put his body other than for it to, to make contact with with Dubravka. That, that was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. But look, today was today was one of our more difficult remaining games uh, because Toon were in such good form. We get Villarreal now midweek. We've got that that cushion of a 2-0 lead. Then it's Spurs at home next Saturday night, which is a bizarre time for a game to be played. But that one should be good. I'm looking forward to that game. I think that's a that's a big, big match. And then our run gets a bit more straightforward. Villa on the beach, Southampton on the beach, and Wolves on the beach. If we can get through that Spurs game next week, I think City have to win all their games or we're going to take the title. Because if we beat Spurs, I don't see us dropping anything in those last three games, even with the FA Cup final as a distraction in between and the, the Champions League final to come at the end, assuming we get through VRL. Like, get yourselves buckled up, because the Reds have probably seven games left this season, and winning all seven could mean three more trophies. And it's just, it's crazy to think that we've played this season, we've played 50-odd games so far, and we're now in a position where seven games will decide three trophies. The the 50-odd has only decided one. That's what it boils down to, is this last seven games for us. Beat, get through Villarreal, win our league matches, win the FA Cup final, win the Champions League final. We'll have at least two trophies doing that, and maybe a third of City find a way to slip up. It's It's mad to think that we're in this position. It's only possible because of one lad, and that's that's that big German lunatic who no one else no one else could do this no one else could do what he does you know I, I love Diego Simeone I don't think he can do what Klopp does because I don't think he has the bombastic nature to him to to really connect with the fans because I don't think Liverpool fans will put up with his football I think he'd connect with them on a human level but not on a footballing level Conte needs the money uh Pep couldn't do what Klopp has done. This is he's one of one, and for him to be signed on, this is the perfect way to end a week where he signs a new contract, where Salah wins Footballer of the Year, and now we get three points and we've got a nice little few days rest until Villarreal. Uh, it's going to be madness for the rest of the season, absolute madness. Uh, as for me, two footed pod every day, 
uh, daily red every day. There won't be on Monday because it's a bank holiday. So, you know, hope for the walls. Um, but yeah, look, what, what an absolutely belt in time. What an absolutely belt in time for for everything to do with Liverpool Football Club. And and there could just be the added little bonus of the Ev going down. And wouldn't that be just a nice little cherry on top of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You know what? I think there's a chance because I'm really starting to feel bad about it now. Not to most of the Everton fans that you get on Twitter, but to the, the, the I know people who support Everton, and I feel I would say I feel sorry, but I'm wor- I'm worried for them because I, I don't think they'll come back up. It's it's that's it's another a, podcast. That's another podcast. And Jim, in answer to your um, previous um, query, I've been thinking about this uh, in and out between um, chatting to both of you. I'm reckoning Jimmy Milner comes on to whatever event he's coming on. I think he's a, he, he's got a lot of self awareness as Jimmy Miller. You know, he's uh, he's a great sense of humour. He's got he, you know he's, he doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think given that as he runs. He tends to get smaller and, and 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 lower to the ground the further he goes. And given that most of the things that he does on a pitch involve him firing himself bodily at other people, I'm thinking free falling. That's what I think. <laughs> I think that's the one. Uh, did you come up with a shout yourself? I think um, I think he'd just surprise everyone because you think I think he'd go back to his lead routes and then he'd surprise everyone. You'd be expecting a night of cultured, you know, laid back chat, and he'd come on to the Kaiser Chiefs, and I predict a riot. And I think that would just set the tone for the night because it wouldn't be as cultured and laid back as you think. I think you could be right there. Actually, you're probably closer, uh, Dave C and Empress. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like he might he might go for like a, a bit of Never Say Goodbye by Bon Jovi. Because he's just, he's never retiring. I keep seeing people say, I'll give him a new contract and put him on the coaching team. This fella's going to play for another 10 years. James Milner, I genuinely believe, is the type that if he can still, if he still thinks he can offer something, he'd happily play in League Two. You know, he'd be the type that wouldn't have any arrogance about, well, you know, I'm not going to be a Premier League player anymore. I'm not going to play. I think Milner would get an incredible kick out of playing down the divisions. Like John Watt did that, didn't he? John John Watt carried on playing, I think. Yeah, left, John you know, Watt he... is a great shout for that. And like when you look at, at you know games played and that, Milner has. I mean, we're we're twenty odd years into the career. He's he's at a hundred and nine club appearances, and what did he make for England? Sixty one. So he's at a hundred and seven, eight hundred and seventy. Sorry, eight hundred and nine. And 61, 870 senior appearances. I think there'll be something in the back of his mind that will want to get to a thousand games. Mm. And that's probably, it's probably three, four more years for Milner. And would you put it past him to go and play a season, you know, in, in the championship next year, then in maybe in League One? He might get a kick out of him, you know, playing in every division play a bit of right back, the odd game in midfield, come off the bench, you know, do his coaching badges maybe out of all the spotlight away from Liverpool and, and learn different things from different people. Because if he wants to be a manager, it might actually be beneficial to him to get to know those lower leagues a bit better as well. I mean, in his entire career, he's only played six games outside of the Premier League level, outside of the top flight. And those were with Swindon back in 03 or 04. So, you know, maybe he goes there and does a year. Maybe he does a year at Leeds, a year at Swindon, 
and a year somewhere else, and, and that's just him, and he's and happy he, out running you know around, what? kicking well, lungs. And when he's gone through all the lower leagues here, he can go to Scotland and, and start in the, in the top five That's it, Scotland. Sam, Premier League. <laughs> 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 then Sorry, he comes across to Ireland, he can play League of Ireland at 45. <laughs> the great thing for Milner is that the rules are a little bit different in the Championship and in League One and League Two, and his own personal art form of volleying people up in the air <laughs> it would be more accepted in those divisions, right? Yeah, yeah. Question them. Plus the fact the rules are different for James Miller anyway. Exactly. Uh, so so you you got to factor that in. Guy Drinkle reckons it's an S Club Seven tune for sure and now i secretly want that to be the case too we will wrap this up um it's been a pleasure uh, as always thanks to dave thanks to jim thanks to guy for producing i've been trev danny and we will speak to you again very very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.